The views expressed on this show by guests and the hosts on issues outside of the 9-11 controlled demolition evidence are the opinions of those individuals alone and do not necessarily reflect those of architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth. Welcome to 9-11 Freefall. I'm the host, Andy Steele. Today we're joined by Robert Griffin. Robert is a psychologist and a member of Psychologists for Social Responsibility. He is a 9-11 Truth advocate and is featured in AE 9-11 Truth's film called 9-11 Explosive Evidence Experts Speak Out. He is also in our latest film, The Unspeakable, which we'll be talking about today. Robert, welcome back to 9-11 Freefall. Thank you, Andy. Glad to be here. So, it's been a while since you've been on this show. Uh, something we always like to learn about our guests, and I think the audience, which is composed mainly of 9-11 Truth advocates like yourself, likes to hear this too, uh, because it's always an important moment for us in our own development on this journey here uh, to where we are now. Remind our audience, what first made you begin to question the fall of the towers on September 11th? Yeah, the, the fall of the towers really came... Uh, somewhat later, my first idea was that uh, they were just, it was being used in the wrong way and in a very dysfunctional way. And then I began to suspect that they were negligent in uh, supposedly not caring for so long and so much about terrorism. And I said, geez, that seems like a, just like a passive uh, wish. <laughs> Of not caring, uh, and 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 so it was. It was only with time and and then listening to some some folks uh, like David Ray Griffin and so on that uh, that I began to put more pieces together. And then with uh, the architects and engineers coming out, I said, "Okay, this is now uh, science. It's not uh, theories. It's 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 not uh, speculation." Uh, and, and that, and that we are solid. So, and that happened over years. Uh, and, and like many, I suppose, in the early years, I'm talking about uh, 2001, uh, two, you know, three. And so that sometimes I would just fall back into almost a trance of, uh, of, uh, because you, I wouldn't know that many people that would, uh, doubt the official story. Or I wasn't hearing it, I wasn't seeing it, so I got caught up in the, you know, in the movie at times. Uh, and then I'd have to snap back and say, wait a minute, this, I don't know that that's true. And, but it was, it was, uh, it was hard to stay out of the movie, I think, until the architects and engineers, uh, group came along. Right. And uh, again, that's the same for so many people out there, and it is sort of like a trance now. Most people that I interview on this show don't just watch a YouTube video back in 2007 or whenever they woke up and then immediately say, yep, uh, they were brought down to controlled demolitions, I want to go out and be an activist for it. Most people take their time 
because they don't want to believe this. Most people didn't come into the situation wanting to believe that something like this could be true. And what you were saying about saying that it was uh, negligence on the part of the government, I mean, that was a more mainstream attitude. It was more acceptable to say that back in the day, although they didn't really want you criticizing anything about 9-11 or the government's response to it in the days following. Um, so, I mean, just a lot of great people drawn to the same goal and from so many different backgrounds. There's something miraculous about all that to me. Uh, now, considering that the early propaganda against 9-11 truth was that people who question the government's narrative has some kind of mental illness. That's the way they tried to paint all of us back in the day, and they, they really do at the, uh, today as well. Uh, how did that jive with you personally and professionally after you woke up to what really happened on that day? Well, it was it was hard, and I, I think that's part of what uh, made it difficult to to think about and to talk about. And much of our reality is a social reality that it's what others acknowledge and what can be communicated to others, and others will communicate that we tend to recognize ourselves. And so uh, it, it was. It was infuriating, and, and I, I guess I, I compare it a lot to, you know, I work with families and what happens in families with different types of things and uh, abuse or uh, neglect and, you know, addiction problems is, is that it's, it's difficult for uh, individuals in a system to speak in ways that are different than the system beliefs. And... Uh, that maybe one could say that uh, society is something uh, where we agree to believe a certain set of ideas, and often <laughs> that are not true ideas. But um, so, so that was hard. It was frustrating. And the few times I did attempt to speak to someone back in the early years, that it was uh, it was difficult because they uh, they didn't have a place for that, and. and uh, it's said that we're maybe storied animals, you know, that uh, that we think in stories and we get information and it's like there's different little filing cabinets and, and such. And then if our information and our perceptions don't fit the story, it's like we don't have a place to put that information and it just falls away and we don't absorb it uh, sufficiently and remember it. So the, the stories that we live in are, are really how we see things. Or, as it's been said, uh, the story that we tell is the spell. Exactly. You know, to me, it's a greater sign of mental illness when people just blindly believe what the TV tells them. I'll, I'll share the story really quick when uh, the whole allegations against Bill Cosby were coming out. And I didn't follow it closely, and I don't claim to have some uh, deep knowledge of all the facts behind that. Uh, but, you know, it just came up at work, the place I was working at the time, and uh, the immediate knee-jerk reaction of one of the people there said, oh, that, they're all lying about that. I said, how do you know that? And I'm just like, well, you know, come on, it's, it's Bill Cosby. I'm like, you know, he's not the guy that he plays on TV. You don't know what the person's like behind the scenes. But people, like, assume that somebody, a character, a character that they play on television is the real person. And so this translates out into issues like that, but it also translates out into issues like September 11th. 
I mean, everybody has an agenda in government. And of course, even if it was just negligence, and let's just put aside controlled demolition for a second, even if it was just negligence, of course people in positions of responsibility are going to want to cover for themselves. Of course they're going to want to put out the best narrative that they can and try to disassociate themselves from blame. And of course, if there is a wider plot going on there involving the demolitions of the towers, I mean, again, if the TV is saying it, people will just agree with it. If they're saying there's nothing to the evidence, people will just go along with it because Popular Mechanics appears on the History Channel. Uh, and so to me, that's a greater sign of mental illness when you don't question, when you don't think for yourself, and you just follow along and do whatever that flickery blue box tells you. Now, uh, let's get to the un- the unspeakable here. You appeared in it, uh, and I've been told that you watched the September 10th screening with a group of Catholic uh, workers. Uh, in a, I believe it was a church in Washington, D.C. You can clarify that for me if you want. But uh, talk about that experience and what was their response. Yeah, it was at the uh, Catholic Worker House in Washington, D.C., and uh, they held the screening for, uh, it was open to people in the community. And there was uh, two rooms, and they were uh, packed, kind of. Uh, and so uh, there, it was interesting uh, that the Catholic workers would show a film like that. <laughs> but the, uh, the, the, what, what I found, and what I find in general, is that the film... Uh, you know, looked at the individual stories and that we see things, uh, we, nothing's real until it's a specific and, and, and individual that these abstractions of numbers of how many people were killed, uh, I believe it's, you know, maybe 30,000, uh, soldiers that have killed themselves. Now, that were involved in these wars, uh, based on 9-11. Uh, so that's an abstraction. Now, if I knew a particular individual, and, and I think I did know one person who came in for an evaluation once that drove his car too fast through town and died. Um, now, that uh, that strikes me harder than the number. So, with the with the film and and the individuals, uh, you have real life people real life emotions, real life relationships in a context. And um, so that makes it real and and gets out of the the realm of what you were referring to earlier about uh, conspiracy theories and how the film was labeled and uh, I'm sorry, how the uh, Spike Lee's film or a docuseries was 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 indicated. So the reaction, though, that I found um, was that uh, people didn't know what they were going to, you know, so much see, and and I think I'll just say it's just an observation that people in the 9/11 uh, truth movement, the activists, tend to be activists and want to figure out what to do, and are less uh, likely to process uh, the emotions and things like that. So so the reaction was, was mostly about, uh, continued to be, and I found this throughout my experience with people that are activists, has, has been primarily one of action 
and rather than contemplation. And uh, so, so that was the response there. Um, and um, so I think for the general public, that's a different story. And I think the film, uh, you know, works well with people that have been exposed to some of the media coverage around uh, Spike Lee's uh, docu-series and uh, that, that shows these are real, just, just ordinary people that didn't have uh, any uh, ideas of such things and that only after the exposure and many after, you know, after time only began to find out things many years later. So, uh, so, so, so I think that that's uh, it's a good introduction for uh, for people who have not been exposed. Um, but I was I was glad to be there, and I was glad that they showed the, the Catholic Workers House. It was where it was shown that uh, um, that they did do it. Um, so that was my experience that night, and um, and and I had not seen the film and. Uh, before, so I I was catching it myself. Right, and I want to talk about that because obviously you are in it, and then you now get this opportunity to actually see it. What was your impression of it? Um, well, now I hear that it's been revised, <laughs> so and I haven't seen the you know can, can, you know it continued to be um, improved and edited and so on because we were they were operating under a deadline, uh, but I found it. Uh, the, the family members, uh, very, uh, impressive that these were all individuals that, uh, whether it, it came out totally in the film or not, uh, were, were very competent, very, uh, accomplished, uh, and, uh, very smart, uh, and, and to see their, uh, to see their own grief process, it wasn't about, uh, it really wasn't so much about, uh, you know, 9-11 and the government and what they did with it and, and so on, but their own personal journeys. Uh, so, uh, I, you know, I, I guess I had, I had spoke to, uh, the family members prior to the film. So I had, uh, you know, like a personal connection. So I, I really liked, um, I really liked and cared about the people that were in the film. And so to see them in their wider context with their more family members, uh, uh, for me personally, was was uh, a treat, so to say. That that uh, that that um, I really appreciated that. How did it compare to what you imagined when you were first invited to participate in the film? Yeah, I wasn't exactly sure what was going to be. I had heard, uh, you know, I wasn't told everything that about uh, the docu-series and such right away. So I thought it would be similar to the other uh, AE film where they'd have uh, mental health professionals talking about things. Uh, so this was much more just about the regular people and their, and their stories. And, uh, and uh, that these were, I guess these were people that cared about um, uh, the individuals that, Many of us, as I say, these are statistics and uh, of what happened and and abstract and and so the ability to uh, to see people that had an, uh, an individual sense of responsibility uh, uh, to this was different. That 
um, there was something called uh, uh, you know, the uh, bystander effect that happened uh, that was thought of and theorized about uh, several decades ago, where the more people that are present, the more bystanders there are in a situation that requires a response or help or intervention, the less likely people were to respond because the responsibility for responding and acting was diffused among uh, among people, and the more there were. And I think that kind of compares to where we're at, that we say, well, there's these these other people, the politicians, the media, uh, and, and the engine, you know, other engineers and architects, certainly these other people would be speaking up and they're responsible and not me. What do I know about architects, you know, ar- uh, architecture, you know, and, and, and engineering and, and so, uh, but these are folks because they were personally touched, uh, in a way that was, uh, so deep and profound that they, they could not forget or, not feel responsible were uh, felt responsible and feel responsible to those people uh, and uh, for the for the love and the the care and and so uh, that was something that was um, uh, that ended up being that I ended up realizing uh, I suppose a lot of things uh, and then talking to these uh, talking to the, the family members and and seeing them on the film. Uh, it just gave me a whole new appreciation for how normal these people just were, and and uh, not they were not anything that uh, that had any prior predisposition to uh, to conspiracies or theories or anything like that. Um, so it was it was a pleasure to meet them, and 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 I really uh, admired um, uh, all of them. That I that I had seen and spoken to, right? And I've said it during the September 10th event. This really drives home why we do this work, which I think we need a reminder of every once in a while. Because as you do this advocacy for a new 9/11 investigation, it becomes like work in a sense that it's just uh, you think of 9/11 in sort of a very uh, uh, different kind of way than you did on that day. You just look at it as uh, you know the event that you're you're talking about and analyzing in a very scientific way and it becomes easy to disassociate and and just think of the nearly 3,000 people who died that day as a number but no that was nearly 3,000 different stories here in our world 3,000 different experiences here in this life everything that you out there in the audience have gone through from birth to now these people went through some form of as well, and then just suddenly have it taken away from you in a moment, you know, in a one morning. You know, and for me, personally, I focus on the controlled demolition because it's the most obvious evidence, and that's what we do here at AE Night Love and Truth, but what disturbs me the most are the people who had to jump from the top of the buildings. I have this issue with vertigo. I don't like standing on the edge of something, uh, you know, high up. I don't mind going on an airplane, but, uh, you know, when you're standing on the edge of something, I just, I don't know, it just makes me uneasy. I don't like heights. And uh, just to think about, you know, someone having to make that decision as to whether, you know, they're going to stay inside and die one way or jump out, I don't even like to think about it. Um, But some people had to do that, and uh, they deserve justice as well. 
So that's uh, that's something that reminds me why I do this work. But then you look at the families too. I mean, it's the most awful thing to take somebody's child away from them, even if they're an adult. Some people, it's their whole life is their kids. They dedicate to it, and to take that away from them. And you know, we were angered when we thought it was just a regular terrorist attack. But when we learned there was something more to this, that there were explosives in the towers, that whoever did that has still gotten away with it. No, we got to get on this. We got to get an acknowledgement and full justice for all of those people. Now, in preparation for your own interview in the film, you interviewed each of the people that you just mentioned. Uh, tell our audience what that was like. Uh, well, I'll tell you, these these the people were very, as I said, impressive as individuals. Very accomplished, uh, very intelligent. And uh, and it was also um, uh, just just humbling uh, to see what who they were and uh, and what they had gone through and and then with some of the people like uh, uh, Bob McElveen, how he had been transformed as a person uh, in ways that uh, that are uh, incredible. Uh, now, for I saw I saw some people that had uh, struggled a bit, uh, let's say, initially when they found out early that it was you had the trauma of losing somebody in this horrific event, and you uh, began to suspect or, uh, or come to be convinced that, that this was something else, that tended to hit people harder uh, than people that found out later who had a chance to grieve and get on more with their life and it, and where it's not, uh, what we call complex post-traumatic stress that, that involves relationships, uh, that the trauma to the, the social, uh, world. And so, uh, you know, so there was, you know, different types of, uh, you know, some involved, uh, you know, depression and um, uh, drinking and and things, and and uh, and had to come out of that. So that was uh, that was understandable, and but but that they did, and then others who found out only later, years later, and and uh, and some were and some were actually recently, they tended to have uh, because they took it in stages of. Losing their family member under uh, as awful uh, and unusual circumstances as it was, but not with the uh, what I would say uh, complex post-traumatic stress of uh, that a prolonged insult to that the other folks that suspected earlier on an insult to their uh, to their being uh, to uh, to their intelligence to their dignity. And that were isolated and ashamed for suspecting uh, the official story to be false, uh, and, and so uh, that was something I, I came away with that that uh, that the repeated trauma of being dismissed and shamed and called conspiracy theorists and and people not wanting to talk to them uh, was was something they had to endure as well. People that went along with the official story initially, um, didn't have that. That was, they had positive social responses and support. 
and and that uh, that was a completely different thing. So um, I saw the the psychological what I would say is a psychological abuse uh, to the families through these through the ignoring of them, the isolating them in the media, and uh, and in their communities. And you know, to agree that happens to all of us that are uh, that that suspect the official story that uh, that we have to pretend and. And I guess I compare it a lot to where I went to school at Penn State, where the folks that knew uh, had to keep quiet, and it was uh, uh, about what was going on. And and so the unspeakable, which the film is entitled, uh, has has a great uh, a great application that uh, that you know of, of how we all deal with it or how we fail to deal with it, and uh, and that. And that that unspeakable is within us. That when when we deny, and uh, that makes it uh, it provides the seedbed for these actions uh, to occur, uh, like uh, enablers that uh, within within whatever system uh, uh, it was. And the the term unspeakable was uh, coined by uh, uh, the monk Trappist monk uh, Thomas Merton. And to describe what he saw is just tremendous uh, evil, and in our in our society uh, throughout the Vietnam War and the assassinations of the 1960s, and that uh, that we've as a country we've been involved in it uh, for some time, all the way back to when we World War II and some of the atrocities that we committed with bombing civilians and. Sometimes burning to death 100,000 people uh, a night in uh, uh, Japan, and uh, and so we, we just dismiss all that, and and so there was we make it possible, in other words, that the unspeakable is within us as well. It's not just what's out there that someone else does, but that it's within us, and and that was part of why uh, I felt, uh, without thinking of the unspeakable. Uh, that I thought I wanted to uh, be willing to do something that it, it, it was wrong to refuse to to say something, and uh, uh, and and that I, I didn't want to be in that um, in that sense of being, even though I didn't have words for it at the time. But uh, so that, so that I, I forget what your question was, but. That was some of the things I thought was important to share. We only have a few minutes left here. Uh, I want to take advantage of the fact that you are here. You're a psychologist. We have a lot of activists that listen to this show. Uh, and, you know, it, it becomes hard, at least at first, when you wake up to this, to stay well-rounded in society because it's like, if they're lying about this, what else are they lying about? Uh, and it's like you can't even trust anything at any point. Now, to me, in a certain sense, it's empowering because it's like, you know, everything is sort of, I don't want to say fake, it, it really exists, but it's just sort of phony and you can see through it and you start looking at politicians and government officials and, you know, police and almost uh, just like they're, you know, just kids in a uniform, you know, um, and, it, and uh, it makes you more powerful. That's the way I see it. But, you know, a lot of people have trouble kind of dealing with a, this reality and uh, wanting to stay positive, you got to stay positive in this world uh, in order to you know move forward and and live your daily life and separate from it. But how do people do that if they're struggling with those issues? 
Well, that, that's that's very hard, uh, obviously. Uh, you know, I, I think if we can use some examples that, you know, through history, that, uh, say, Japan and Germany, right, who had to face some awful truth and, and situations after, uh, you know, the war, they dealt with it, and they seemed to go, uh, uh, you know, they seemed to do fairly well, and uh, economic powerhouses, and they didn't all fall apart. Um, so, so I guess you compartmentalize, you know, that sometimes you're aware of it. You don't have to talk about it to everybody necessarily, that you can pick your spots, uh, and, uh, and that life is, is, is basically good, and, and that, um, and with some of the people that I saw in the film as well, that they researched history and they found out this was more or less, it wasn't that unusual that governments do things. And, uh, and so I, I think also family, family and friends that we need, uh, you know, we need to be connected and that that's healthy. And when we're isolated, it's not healthy. Uh, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't have to, I've seen many people who, who they're aware of it, but they just, they go about living their life. Now, I'm not sure that's the best way to go, uh, cause most people that are, you know, are interested in, in getting it out. But I, I, I think two things I would say what has helped me. One was that, um, is that sometimes when things are, uh, falling apart, which, which I think our country is, is become dysfunctional to a degree that, uh, is, is not sustainable through, and often through, partially through these kind of lies and distortion that make it harder to function when you're, when you can't self-correct and you have these blind spots and these hidden areas, uh, that it, 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 and the, and the, and the imperialism and such, that that falls apart. And when things fall apart, secrets just come bursting out. You know, they just come, you know, they just come out because they got bigger problems. And, and the other thing is with our, that's helped me, I'll just say, is with the, um, uh, you know, with the environmental situation that is very serious, uh, and that, and that it's, you know, that life on earth and human life and human communities are at risk. And so, uh, that in comparison, that, that even if we, even if 9-11 was as we thought it was, we have this other problem. And so it helped me to put 9-11 in perspective that, uh, while resolving this, I can't see us resolving, uh, our situation with the environment and, you know, the implications unless we were to be able to be truthful and deal with this. Uh, but that, but that this other problem is larger and, uh, and it, and that 9-11 is, uh, perhaps a symptom and, uh, but it, it's not, it is, in my opinion, it is not the biggest, uh, threat facing humanity. So, uh, and, and that's the good and the bad news. Um, uh, um, but I think relationships, enjoying, appreciating nature, all the things that make people healthy, uh, engage in those as well. Uh, that's what I would, that's what I would tell people. And, you know, be nice, be present for your friends and your relatives, uh, be caring and, um, don't be transformed oneself as much as possible. 
by this uh, you know, by this kind of unspeakable uh, uh, horror that that was nine eleven and that and that continues to be absolutely couldn't agree with you more and always remember that you are an individual out there you are not the country you are not the problem you are not the event that happened twenty years ago you are you. And that's all that matters, and life is a miracle. No matter what's going on in your life or in the bigger picture or in the world, I mean, um, you look down at a sidewalk and see a little flower, a little sunflower, or whatever they're called, or a dandelion coming up through it. You know, that right there is a miracle, and that's what you got to be in this world. And uh, keep a sense of humor, because that will get you through life better than anything. Robert, thank you so much. For what you're doing, for being in the film, and of course for coming on 9/11 Freefall today. Take care, and we'll be in touch. I'm sure at some point. This program is on every Thursday night on No Lies Radio at 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific, and every other Sunday night on BBS Radio at 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. You can also keep track of the archives by going to 911freefall.com. Zany Steele, have a great week. Good luck. <laughs>